back to the podcast um this week we have a bit of a different episode for you it's a special one we have a special guest caitlin isn't here um and our friend Lacey's here say hi Lacey. hi everyone um so this week we're going to talk about a topic that has uh personally affected Lacey's life um she has lived close to people who this has affected and she's gonna give us a new perspective on this um I don't really know anything about it, so yeah, I think this should be a really interesting episode. I'll preface with it is storming and I am sick, so there are a lot of factors that are going to make this audio really rocky, but like, it'll be fine. Yeah. It'll, it, it'll be good. <laughs> so, how are you, Lacey? What's new? What's fresh? Share about yourself. Um, you're one of my best friends, but people um, on the podcast have never met you. Yeah, so I'm Lacey. I'm 19 years old. Um, I am going to school through Southeastern University. My major is ministerial leadership, so I'm interested in pursuing ministry. Um, And yeah, I'm just super excited to be here and talk about this today. Yay, that's so good. I told her to introduce herself and she said, oh, well, what am I supposed to say? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) Just, hi, I'm Lacey. Um... Also, this chair I'm sitting on is really squeaky. This is going to be so fun. Um, it's all right. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, so this week we're going to talk about substance-related disorders, um, specifically substance abuse disorders, but it is a spectrum. So um, Caitlin had given me some information, and I also um, stole my mom's copy of the DSM-5 to kind of give you guys some previous information. So drug addiction is is the common like term I think people know it as but um it is a mental disorder um called substance use disorder um like I said it's a spectrum of disorders um and it's a disease that affects a person's brain and behavior and leads to an inability to control the use of legal or illegal drugs or medication substances such as alcohol marijuana and nicotine are considered drugs so there is a whole It doesn't just have to be alcohol or, like, narcotics. Um, There is a whole list. Um, There's 10 classes. So it would be alcohol, caffeine, cannabis, hallucinogens, inhalants, opioids, sedatives, hypnotics, analytics, stimulants, tobacco, and other unknown drugs. Um, So... The way it works is it activates the drug's reward, the brain's, the, okay, the drug activates the brain's reward system, um, which is why people get addicted to such things and, like, begin to neglect other things in their life. So, you start doing drugs or alcohol and your brain rewards you for that and, therefore, other things, like, such as, like, just daily act activities of daily living seem not important um 
it occurs when you reoccurrently use alcohol and or other drugs that I had listed, um, and it causes clinically significant impairment, including health problems, disabilities, and failure to meet major responsibilities at work, school, or home. Um, and there's just a ton of information on this, and I found it very interesting to go through this information because I really... I, I had some perspective of it um, just through being friends with you, but um, I really didn't know, like, clinical facts about it. Um, it is a lot more severe than I think people realize, and we'll kind of go into this later, but one thing Caitlin had noted was withdrawal symptoms can be so bad that an individual can use again to re relieve the pain, um, and people just get into a loop and it is a vicious cycle um what else did she know yeah i mean that's all the information caitlin got from the dsm-5 um and i got from the dsm-5 and then we also cited the um substance abuse and mental health services administration so if you want more information those are some good sources to find so lacy um, back to you. Um, what, so share with us what you know about substance abuse disorder and what stigmas you have about it. Yeah, so personally, I've seen how it's something to take seriously. I think that it can be common to think like, oh yeah, a person is using drugs or drinking alcohol, you know, whenever they want. And people can think abusing it is a one-time thing and then they walk away from it and don't have to do it again. But I've seen personally that it's not that simple and when a person's body gets addicted to it, your body gets reliant on that. And so for alcohol, I know personally, I'm not sure about some other substances, but I know for alcohol, once your body gets addicted to alcohol, it literally needs it to function and it can have severe you know, side effects and withdrawals if that doesn't happen. Um, I've seen when my dad go into like rehab facilities, he would literally have 24 hours su like surveillance on him in case he got super bad withdrawals or side effects, whereas he needed medical attention. So all of that to say, it's very serious. Yeah. Um, a common stigma, I kind of mentioned it before, but it's not as simple as you're using and then you're, you realize, oh, this has gotten bad. I need to stop. So you stop and cold turkey it. Um, it's not that simple, and when you're addicted to something, like I said, your body needs it. So some people, you know, pretty much everyone can't just be like, oh, I'm not going to use this anymore. Let me never touch it again. Like you said, it's a lot deeper than that, and it goes a lot further than what you may think on the surface level. Yeah. Um, I know just with, like, what you were saying about him going to, your dad going to rehab, because um, your father particularly struggled with alcohol substance abuse disorder um I know just from my clinical experience working in a hospital that when like it can literally kill you right too if you do not withdraw or what's the word not withdraw if you don't what's the word if you don't stop using what's the <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> we're so educated on this topic clearly if you don't um like properly stop using it can kill you. You can have seizures. There's certain precautions we have to use. Um, yeah, because it's it, it can be incredibly dangerous. So, like, yeah, going cold turkey isn't 
always an option. Some people do, but with especially more severe drugs and alcohol use, um, it can be horrible. Um, I know even just like, you know, so I know so many people that they go a day without having coffee and they get a headache. Right. And so like, imagine like that is uncomfortable and not fun. Um, and then imagine going through withdrawal after years of relying on alcohol or drugs every day. Yeah. Um, it's, it's wild. Um, I watched a movie, (laughs) this is just a side note, but I watched a movie a while ago that very much highlighted substance abuse disorder in a very different light, and it was one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about it, because I had just never seen it in that light before. It was called Cherry. It was on Netflix with Tom Holland, or not Netflix, Apple TV, but it was really good. Um, and it just really opened my eyes about things, and so it did its purpose. Um, (laughs) when in your life did you realize that your parents had a significant problem that was out of their control? I think I have a memory of kind of being, like, the light bulb moment of, like, oh, I think this is a problem. But it was when I was super, super... Are you kidding me? (laughs) It's okay. It was when I was super, super young, because I literally remember... Um, I have an older sister and like she sat me down one day and I was like sitting on her lap I was so young and she was telling me that we have to go stay the night somewhere else because it wasn't safe to be at our house so obviously little me is like oh why and she was telling me that my parents were drunk and sometimes it's dangerous you know if they act out when they've been drunk and I literally remember saying what does being drunk mean and so you know I say all of that to say I have the memory of being like, oh, I think this is a problem because, you know, I can't stay at my house. But I was so super young that, like, I don't, it's pretty much just always been something that I've kind of just known in the back of my mind and being like, oh, yeah, I think this might be a problem. I think, you know, I might need to go somewhere to get help. Yeah, that's such a hard thing for a little girl to realize. Right. Um, I think little girls should only have to worry about like what princess dress you want to wear for Halloween mm-hmm. and um, for my older sisters if I was like four five six my older sister was probably like 12 she yeah. shouldn't have to find a place for her and her little sisters to go yeah that's so difficult to navigate um is this something that you know you saw it happen in your home is it something that you're worried about happening to you um I know when I was preparing for this podcast, it seems like I wasn't very prepared. I swear I tried. <laughs> um, I talked to my mom, who I've mentioned before as a counselor, and she listens to the podcasts and um, texts me things I got wrong. <laughs> um, not in a mean way, but in a way like, hey, just so you know, like like last week we talked about ADHD and I said, she, Caitlin asked me if it's genetic and I said, I believe that it would be. I'm not 100% certain about that. My mom texted me um, a couple hours after we posted the podcast and said, ADHD is very much genetic. (laughs) And I was like, good to know. Thank you, mom. So I asked her um, in preparation, um, like what she had about substance abuse disorder. Um, And I was under the impression that it was genetic that you're genetically predispositioned to be an alcoholic um but in research we had found that um well she told me to but she's my research Mm -hmm. uh that that's not necessarily always true um there are many factors that can lead to substance abuse disorder um in the dsm-5 it talks about some of the additional disorders that can cause it um 
And so, like, you could be more dispositioned if you have any other, some other diagnosable um, mental health disorders, but it's not necessarily genetic. But do you get what I'm getting at? So, if you tend to be a person that um, has more addictive personality, you can be more predispositioned to have substance abuse disorder. Um, And growing up in that environment can definitely affect you in the future. So just, I guess, shed your light on that. Yeah, for me personally, I am not afraid of it happening to me. I just kind of always told myself since I was super young and I've seen how it negatively affected my family so badly. I just kind of always said that wasn't something I was going to do. I was never even going to touch alcohol, never take a sip of it. Just to, you know, lean on the more hazardous side of making sure that doesn't happen to me. And I'm not saying that if you drink alcohol, you're prone to become addicted to it. And I'm not saying if you drink it, you're bad or anything. I'm just saying that, like, for me personally, I almost feel like it'd be a stab in the back to myself for doing something to myself that has hurt me so much. So, like I said, I'm just going to lean on the side of not even touching it or coming close to it. So, therefore, it can't affect me in that way. Yeah. Well, I think it's very interesting when you see people coming from your particular situation where you haven't struggled with this disorder, but it's a very much affected your life. Right. Um, and, you know, you see people that have your mindset of, I will never touch that, like, I will not let that be me, and then people that unfortunately ha- succumb to that, and it does become their reality. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's so important to talk about it, because, like, people don't have to end up in that situation, so... Um, what, um, so, like, what has helped you to kind of get through this? You know, you dealt with it literally all your life. Um, did you know other people that had similar struggles as you that helped you through? Or what was the biggest thing that helped you, you know, deal with this in your daily life? Yeah, so I realized as I got older that talking through it and having people around you to just be honest with and, like, be honest about your feelings with makes a world of a difference um when i was younger like elementary school middle school i wanted the picture of my family is perfect we have nothing wrong with us i was like embarrassed for anyone to think anything otherwise yeah and then as i got older i started uh getting into like church groups and just like you know talking about my raw self and so that started to come up and then i realized like through talking about it like people actually help me and people actually care about me and like that's not something to be embarrassed about that something behind the scenes is happening and so I've just learned that talking with it with people allowing people to be there for you and to help you will literally make a world of a difference yeah that's good I think that goes along with any mental health disorder I think it's so vital to talk about it um there is nothing positive about keeping it to yourself right um you know, there's someone else out there that struggles with it. I know when even, you know, our goal for the podcast is to have people share real life experiences. And, you know, I know you and I know that you're willing and able to talk about it. And I've watched you talk about it in front of like a lot of people, <laughs> um, especially at church. But, it, you know, I think people struggle to talk about it even when they are open. So yeah. I, when I asked you, I was like, please say yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I think that's such good perspective. It is so important always in anything to talk about it. Um, And I guess this kind of goes along with what we were just saying, but what would you say to someone in your situation? Yeah, so similar to my last answer, don't be embarrassed that your life isn't 
you know, picture perfect to the outside family. Like I said, I was embarrassed that, oh, people might think my family isn't this picture perfect family. So just don't try to hold that, you know, picture for yourself. Go get help. Don't hold it into yourself. Allow people to be there for you and just express what you're going through honestly and honestly how you're feeling. Yeah. Well, I think that is such one of the... Okay, let me try again. (laughs) I think one of the um, things about not wanting to share, and I think your situation in particular, but even someone who is dealing with this personally, would be that you didn't, I'm sure, want people to look at your parents differently. Right. You didn't want people to, you didn't want to say like, you know, they're struggling and people to be like, well, you have bad parents. Right. Or they don't love you. Because like, as we kind of talked about at the beginning, like, they can't like they can't you know function um and i just think that is such a like a such a terrible thing because you want to be able to have people in your life that you could share with and you know that they won't change their perspective on your parent or you you know someone right. who's dealing with this themselves doesn't want to just be looked at as an addict Correct. um and i think in healthcare i have a different perspective of this as well because I deal with addicts a lot, um, pretty much on a daily basis. And they don't want to be looked at as someone who's addicted to something. They want to be looked at as a human Mm -hmm. and treated the same way. Interestingly enough, I saw a TikTok last night of someone talking specifically about this. And they worked in an ER and there was like a 20-year-old that had come in um, and was an addict and had overdosed and they had like thanked the medical professional for talking to them like a person um and i think it's just such a vicious cycle because people come to get help and are met with hostility Mm -hmm. and i think it's just so important to be that kind of person if you're not specifically struggling with it to be that kind of person that is open and educated and not hostile like willing to treat that person like a human yes so yeah i think do you have anything else you would like to share about like any other perspective that you have on that um no i just think the biggest thing to take away and to share is just like don't be afraid to share your story like i know you touched on it a lot but like that's just so heavily like what I've learned through this so don't be afraid to just talk to someone even if it's like one person by you one best friend just allow them to listen to your honest feelings yeah that's good and remember that if you need someone to talk to that we're always here and find someone that's safe and remember that you're always doing great okay so I'm going to get to share a little bit about what my life looked like at home with living with two parents who heavily dealt with alcohol and were addicted to that and that aspect. So the biggest thing that I'm going to kind of talk about now is at home, what it looked like was a lot of secrets and lies. There was plenty of secrecy from my parents towards me and my sisters, um, such as claiming that they're not drinking anymore and that they're over that and whatever has happened is in the past and we're moving forward now. Um, Obviously, that was a secret that they kept to us that they were drinking because that wasn't the case. It would be clear to us that 
the way they acted towards us, they were not sober. Like, they were definitely drinking. They were definitely drunk. But they would um, claim that they weren't anymore. And they kept secrets of, you know, going out and drinking. Or they would hide it in the house and keep secrets that it was even in the house. We would find it in random spots around the house because they thought that we wouldn't find it. Um, They would use different trash cans than us so we wouldn't see their empty bottles or receipts or whatever. They even went as far as to use different stores in different towns because we live in a small town and if I am to go to any of our family friends and talk about what I've been dealing with and then my parents claim they're no longer drinking and then they're sitting at the store buying the alcohol, that could obviously raise some questions. So they thought through these things and how to keep these secrets and how to lie to us. Um, And as I mentioned before, like it was obviously very prevalent that they were drinking and even though they claimed they weren't, but when we tried to bring it to them, they would just tell us that we had no proof. You know, we couldn't prove that they were drinking and therefore they claimed they weren't. And so, as I said, a lot of secrets and lies towards us. And then as a result of that, it caused at least for me and I'm guessing my sisters to have to lie to have to lie to a lot of people around us and as I mentioned we live in a small town so pretty much everyone knows everyone so especially in my you know younger years I didn't tell people what was going on because I didn't want my parents to look bad I thought it was bad if I told people what was happening I would lie about the silliest things and you know just to hide about what was really happening A clear example I have of this is there, it was almost like a cycle. My dad would drink and then get in trouble and then have to go to jail for a couple days. And then after jail, have to go to a rehab facility for a couple days. And then it would just start over. He would drink again, get in trouble, jail, rehab. It happened literally numerous of times. And so during those times when he was gone in jail and or rehab, um, I would have a couple friends stay the night because that was the one time where our house seemed a little bit calmer and you know when you're little when you're in like second third grade and people know that I lived with my dad and my dad didn't come home for a while innocently would be like oh where's your dad and I remember I always used the same thing every single time and I'd always be like oh he's away on a business trip because I've seen my friends families like parents go on business trips so I realized to telling people oh my dad's not here because he's on a business trip was hiding the fact that my dad's in jail or my dad's in rehab because as I said I wanted to keep the picture perfect family look to everyone around me um I lied to other people about what was happening at home um not only that like there was a problem but the sole fact that there was definitely like verbal abuse towards my sisters and I you know things that were said to us and if people you know, adults, family, friends heard about what was happening, they were concerned and they would ask us about it. And every single time I would tell them, no, you didn't hear that correctly. No, that's not what happening. Or I would try to make them think that what they were, what they heard was false and that they were making up a lie. Because as I said, I thought it was better to keep the secrets of what my parents was doing for us to keep because I didn't want them to look bad. And then just, of course, over the span of these years, I saw the addiction really take over my dad. Um, Growing up, he went from someone who coached basketball teams, softball teams, all of that jazz, to somebody who was taken over by his addiction, where 
not only couldn't he coach those things anymore, he couldn't be as involved, but he even stopped like attending those things. High school, stopped being at my thing, stopped even knowing what I was interested in. Probably didn't really know any of my friends. Like literally was just not really involved in my life anymore. And I think that goes to show how much addiction can really, you know, change somebody and change the way their life looks. And that caused a lot of frustration in me. Um, I was going to church and I was involved in a whole bunch of church groups, but still I would always be frustrated and be like, God, why are you doing this to me? You know, I felt a lot of hurt. And of course now I know that's not, for, I don't believe that's from God and all of that jazz, but I was just frustrated and I would cry out and be like, this is so, like, why is this happening to me? Um, thinking that I had it the worst, which I know is not the case, but those are the things that started to run in my brain. And it was just a lot of hurt. You know, every child wants their parents to be there for them. And I didn't always have that. So that was very frustrating. And eventually I learned, as I talked about earlier, you know, talk to people, you're going to get through it. You get through it easier with community and people around you. So that would be my biggest encouragement for everyone today to, after hearing this and everything that has happened, just really reach out to someone and don't be afraid to let your guard down, let people know maybe you don't have the most picture-perfect family, but you know, you'll learn and you'll see how many people really do care about you and how many people are actually there for you.